Hi, we are relationship specialists Dan and Carol Oler. Thanks for joining us for our podcast series called Relationships by Design. This episode is about raising financially savvy kids. In our minds, raising children is the most important job on this planet. In order to do a good job of that, we feel it's important to have conversations about money starting at a very young age. Rather than a taboo topic, why not make money conversations easy, joyful, and fun? Oh, we are so very excited. We've just had our new grandchild, who's our very first grandchild, come into the world. And Woohoo! Yeah, we are have been talking about what kind of a gift to give to him. And one of the things that we've thought about is a gift of money. And that led us, of course, to some discussions around the value of money and how money is for kids and all the rest of that. And it's interesting based on the last podcast we did about becoming a money team. And yet it's amazing for how many couples, money is kind of a taboo subject, something that's not comfortable to talk about. I think with kids, it would be nice to have it an easy thing to talk Mm -hmm. about. And a big part of that starts with the parents and on our instance, grandparents, being comfortable to have those conversations, not only with ourselves, but also with the youngster that's involved. I think one of the really important parts is that as parents or grandparents, we have our poop in a group, for lack of better terms. <laughs> we're congruent on, on what we think and feel about money so that as we're talking with kids and grandkids about it, that they're getting the same message from both people. It's a really good point. As I think about money, to me, it's just a tool and something you and I both commented on. And really, a tool, something like a hammer, why would it be a taboo subject? You know, it's, it's something to be used in whatever way that it's agreed upon. I think that we hold money as something very special. And yet it is just that tool. It's just something that it's a bartering thing that we use. Years and years ago, people would barter products and services with each other. You know, somebody would go help somebody do some harvesting and in exchange, they got some wheat or some meat or something like that. And then we've then grown to have this money, which is just that bartering tool. It's about, you know, I have to give value in order to receive the value back. And what I receive back may be that money. Well, and and from that bartering perspective, I can see where it would have come from. I want what you have. You've got wheat or something, and I want to grind it and make some flour. But I raise pork, and you don't eat pork or whatever. So I don't have a tool to be able to be able to barter with you. So that's probably where it would have started. I would think so. When it comes to having conversations with kids about it, it's the idea of how soon do we start having those conversations? You mean how young yeah. should the child be? I think that it really can start at a very young age. That's my own opinion. And yet I think the more we have those conversations with kids at a young age, the more easeful it is. And the more we can grow the conversations as the child grows. Absolutely. And even as a young child, before they can talk, sitting at a dinner table, I think that's a fine place to be having the conversations. Kids are learning even if they're just listening. And then when they are able to talk, to continue having those conversations. I think it's healthy for them to know how money is dealt with in the home. Yeah. And not that you necessarily want to have them be able to go out and talk to their friends about 
how much money their parents do or don't have. However, to have an easefulness around it, I guess. Well, and I suppose that part of the confidentiality is a part of the conversations too. If we're having conversations, just to have them know that this is just between us as a family. Yeah, this is our family's thing. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, and I think about money the way it was in years gone by, and I think about what's different about it now. I was thinking about we had bank accounts when we were little kids and, and our children too, and you could watch the money in and out. And now we're really in a plastic economy where most of us use a card of one form or another in order to do our transactions. I often wonder what a little kid thinks when they just see somebody pull out a card and swipe or tap or put it in the machine. And they get what they want. I think the idea of a bank account is really important. I remember going into the bank when I was very young and had this little tiny paper book and put in the deposit and the teller would write on there exactly what the balance was. And you had this little book. It's a real joke now. <laughs> Nobody does that. Yeah, that's true. So how do we keep track? Now, we have online banking and I actually do the books through a bookkeeping system where I actually download things, but not everybody does that either. And you print out bank statements so that you can track things and watch things. And I actually quite like seeing them and going through them with you. I guess I'm a little old fashioned in that way. <laughs> <laughs> However, it for me, it's a concreteness. And the point is, especially when we're having conversations with our kids, for them to see a bank statement and to see here, this column, this is where money's coming in. And how does that come in? You know, is it come from work that mom and dad have done or where does that money come from? And then the other column, that's when it's going out. So what is that being used for? How are the decisions made about where that money is spent? And I think you can show a child on the screen. It doesn't need to be printed. However, for them to see where you put savings and how those dollars go in and out to pay the light bill and the telephone and the things that, again, a kid just kind of assumes is there unless they've been told how it works. So coming back to how to have kids start to understand that, I think that if it can be a more hands-on kind of a thing. I remember when our kids were really small and we were on the farm and we were milking cows and raising chickens for eggs and we would give cream and eggs to your parents and they had found some old piggy bank that you had made as a child and, and they were putting money in there and then they gave that to the kids. And the idea of a piggy bank, it was a bank. It was just like a regular bank account where they got to see what was going on. Yeah. The funny part about that is I remember one of the first times when they brought it and there was this big fat cork in the bottom. And when you pulled that out, all the money came spilling out. And I remember, our, I don't think our kids were old enough to really understand what that value of money was, but they were able to sort it into piles according to the shapes and the sizes, which was educational, even if it wasn't money related. And then as the years went by, they were able to go, oh, these are this denomination. So let's count up how much money you actually have. So I think it was a progressive learning process. And it's a good teaching tool, a math lesson for them, really. I remember them learning about how, you know, it took five nickels to be the same as a quarter. And mm -hmm. so one was different than the other and starting to get that value piece. And kind of a simple way to have that learning piece go with it. And again, that ties in then to maybe the bank statement piece, you know, to have them understanding cash in, cash out, 
and how that works. Mm. It's a normal part of everybody's life. So we might as well learn it as soon as possible. And then to be able to have conversations about what that money is for. How as a family is that valued? Is it supposed to be saved? Is it supposed to be spent only on certain things? Or is it spent however? What are sort of the family rules, for lack of another word, around money and what its purpose is in that family? I remember one of the couples that we were coaching had kind of a rule with their kids. I don't remember whether they were giving them an allowance or what it was. However, the rule was a certain percentage of it had to go into some savings. A certain percentage had to go to charity. A certain other percentage was just for fun. But it was all laid out with kind of a a mini budget for a child to learn about. Mm -hmm. You talked about you didn't know if it was an allowance. There are a variety of ways that kids really can have those dollars come into them. It could be an allowance, could be in wages. It's the kind of thing, because we were business owners, we were able to do that. And I know that the rules have changed since 30 years ago when our kids were little, but the idea of checking that out with an accountant or someone that really knows what they're doing to find out if you could pay your kid wages. Well, and from a business perspective, it was a smart thing because we could use that as a taxable expense and yet an allowance isn't. So it was a healthy thing. However, kids had to know that they had to do something for it. I remember at that point where we were starting to pay them wages. I mean, we were on the farm, so money came in and it didn't come every two weeks or every week. Instead, you know, we would sell cattle three or four times of the year and grain would be sold at a few times of the year. So you got a big lump sum, but then you had to make it last for quite a while. And I think that was healthy for our kids, too, because at that point, it was their responsibility to buy their own clothes and and those things as well. And that was really a relatively young age that we started that. And again, that was our choice. There's no right or wrong way to do it. It's just that's what worked for us. And with that, it gave them the chance to decide sort of which items did they want to buy. I remember when Jamie was buying his first snowboard and He was really thinking long and hard what the merits were of that board, because if he bought this one, it was this many dollars, whereas if he bought that one, it was only this many dollars. And then he was deciding what his value system was around that spending. That's a powerful piece for them, really making those choices, conscious choices. That's something that is so important for every one of us, rather than just spontaneous buying, which maybe happens every now and then, but be more aware of it and make sure that when the the dollars are spent or invested, that it's done consciously and with choice. Yeah. And that to me is why you would have conversations when the kids are young, because I think that as we have those conversations, it's easier to make more conscious choices as the kids grow. And they grow to become more accountable for their results in their lives. They know that by making these choices, This is what it's going to give them now and off into the future. And I think that's a part of it, too, is to have those conversations about their dreams and things that they want in the future down the road so that maybe they're thinking about that bike that they really, really want, but it's kind of a delayed gratification. They know that they've got to save some money or generate some money before they can actually acquire that. Really, I think about it as being and supporting these kids to be really money savvy, to know what its purpose is and how to get it and how to move towards, like you said, getting the things that they want in life. I think conversations about debt are important as well. Most people have debt, mortgages or car payments or something like that. And I think it's good for kids to learn that very soon as well, that you get the money from somewhere 
Credit is very easy. I mean, credit cards, you can get them quite easily. It's debt. And I have been reading about how in Canada in particular, there's a huge percentage of our population that have very high credit card debt. And so with that, you talked about statements earlier. I look at our credit card, which we use regularly, at the bottom where it says, if you only pay the minimum amount, it's going to take you this many years, 47 years or whatever it is to pay off your credit card. I think it's probably valuable to have those conversations with them around that debt. Maybe even to make it fun. You know, we talked about the counting in the piggy bank, but also there are all kinds of games and books that are available to help to have our kids become more financially literate. I was doing some research, again, looking for some grandbaby gifts. And there are a variety of resources out there. There are books that are, for a fairly young age, it seems to me they had some ones that were preschool, three, four years old, and then on up. Some of the games started at five or six years old and went up from there. And we had some old games that we used to play with kids too. Yeah, I remember playing Monopoly with them, and, and it was always a long-term game. You'd play it for a while and then <laughs> shove it under the couch and then bring it out next night and play it some more. Yeah, and then there were things like the game of life, and what was that one that we had that we played when the kids were older? Cash Flow. Okay. By Robert Kiyosaki, and that one was, is a really good one because it's all about financial literacy. The goal is to get out of the rat race. And one of the nice things about that is each player had their balance sheet. And so they had to watch their balance sheet, their assets that they were buying and the debt they were taking on. And, and then there was a cash flow statement where they had to watch so that money coming in and money coming out each month would meet all of their commitments. And that, as I recall, was a fairly expensive game to purchase. And yet, I know that our library, and we've just got a little library here, carries a lot of those types of resources. We can get games and sign them out from our libraries. So that would be a place that I would suggest that people might be able to look to get some of these resources too. And it makes the talk about money fun. <laughs> yeah, games should be that anyway. And it can also be a more working on those some of those games cooperatively, where it's not mm -hmm. necessarily a competition of who gets the most money, but it's kind of a cooperative or a collaborative thing where it's how can we all do well in this? And I think that would be really great learning, even in our communities, is for people to really be excited about other people doing very, very well. As you're saying that, I've heard different people say, oh, so-and-so's got money. Oh, that must be nice. To me, when I hear that somebody gets a windfall or something, I get excited for them. And I think if there were some games out there, and there probably are, where you could encourage your kids to be excited for other people to be doing well. And because if that person's doing well, then there's a possibility I could be as well. And I think that ties into even the business idea. One of the ways that kids can create or get more money, if that's something that they want for some of their dreams and goals, is to start simple little businesses very early on. And they start to learn those entrepreneurial skills, you know, lemonade stands or <laughs> snow shoveling for their neighbors. And because they've got that dream of that goal of something that they really want to get. I have been watching some different financial newsletters and things like that. And there are some kids that are really creative that come up with not just lemonade stands, but really amazing business concepts. Absolutely. And at very young ages, they're programming and coding and making good money on it. Yeah. And so how to support them to use their creativity, because 
Oftentimes, these kids have such great ideas and they just need some support and encouragement. And then, of course, they would need some advice on what to do, how to handle those funds. If they're doing the computer stuff or something like that, boy, they would need somebody to help make decisions about what to do with that money. Yes. I think also an important part for kids to understand is about being resilient because we all have things happen in our lives where you know, maybe the money's a little short at times or where it has been coming. You know, I think about with the pandemic and many people were out of work for a while and some of them still are or they had to close their businesses. It's a hardship. And yet for kids to learn about resilience, you know, rather than being victimized by those things and saying, I can't do anything about it, instead to be resourceful and say, well, what can we do? What are our choices here where, sure, it's been a tough thing. However, we know that we can make money somewhere else. There's lots and lots of money in our world. It's just about them being able to talk about it and find ways to get what they need. As you're saying that, it could even be a sort of hypothetical thing. So the kid has a contract with one of the neighbors to mow their lawn or shovel walks. And to say, well, hypothetically, if this individual that you're working for, maybe they had their nephew come live with them for the summer months and they were going to mow the lawn so you wouldn't get that contract. What might you do differently or how else might you come up? Sure, you're saving for that new bicycle or whatever. What else could you do? And to draw out that resourcefulness in kids to really think about how they might deal with those kind of challenges. I love the way you did that, Carol, with those kinds of questions. How might you do that? Or what else could you do? It's kind of taking a coach approach with our kids. So rather than telling them what they should do, instead, it's about helping them to come up with their best decisions. Yeah, well, I tried telling a few times and I learned the hard way that that doesn't work very well. And yet kids, again, are resourceful. You may need to give them some options, you know, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? Or something different? What would be best for you? And how can I support you? Not here, I'll just give you some money and it's all better. But how can I support you with your decisions and with your value creation? And in doing that, I believe it creates really creative and resourceful kids who are ready to deal with whatever life sends their direction. I think we all want to do the best job we can with kids, grandkids, nieces, nephews. I believe that in our hearts, we want to see them grow up to be valuable, contributing citizens. We want them to experience massive joy, happiness, love, and ease in their lives. Being financially savvy is a part of that. To support them means being a good role model. To be that means being financially savvy yourself, or at least comfortable as a couple to have honest, open conversations about money yourselves. If you'd like support to do that, listen or re-listen to the podcast we did about becoming a money team. Also, we invite you to reach out to us at 780-785-3700 or email us at info at danandcarol.com. And at least we can have a conversation. So imagine, just imagine what it will be like years from now when your kids and or your grandkids are living easeful, joyful, fun lives with their partners and maybe their kids. They feel abundant in all areas of their lives, including the financial part. Just imagine. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Relationships by Design. We trust you created value for yourself. Our vision is healing our planet one relationship at a time. To help us do that, please give a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. We invite you to visit our website at www.danandcarol.com. You can sign up for our newsletter. You'll also find tools and information to support you to create your relationships by design.